Our text for the day is found in the book of Acts, chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. Here in the text, we find Peter in the home of Cornelius in Caesarea, and this is the way the text presents it. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter was astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Cornelius is a great person in the book of Acts. And we who are non-Jewish are particularly indebted to Cornelius. He was a Gentile also. He was a Roman military commander. He was stationed in Caesarea Maritima, there in the land of Judea. He was what the book of Acts calls a God-fearer. That means that even though he was a Gentile, he had connected himself to the Jewish community because of an admiration of their lifestyle and of their view of God. According to the book of Acts, Cornelius was seen by the Jewish community as a devout man of the highest integrity who worships God and is respected throughout the Jewish community. In the book of Acts, we see this Cornelius to be a person of prayer and fasting, a person who gave generously to help take care of the poor. In the book of Acts, we see Cornelius sending to Joppa to invite Simon Peter to come to Cornelius and preach to them. 
And Simon Peter was led by the Spirit to leave Joppa, make that one-day journey to that beautiful city on the Mediterranean, Caesarea Maritima. And when Simon Peter and his entourage got to Caesarea Maritima, he preached. He preached to them about Jesus, this Jewish Messiah. Because by this point in the book of Acts, Simon Peter had come to realize that God shows no partiality. That God has commanded us not to think of anyone being inferior to anyone else and to not think of any human being as being unclean. So Peter goes and preaches about this Jewish Messiah to these Gentiles in Caesarea. And you heard a few moments ago what happened when Peter was preaching to these Gentiles. Back to the text beginning at verse 44, we are told that when Peter was still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and worshiping God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they invited Simon Peter to stay with them for several days. In the Christian tradition, we call this the Gentile Pentecost. In the book of Acts in chapter 2, we saw how the Holy Spirit fell on those Jewish Christ followers there in Jerusalem. That's the day we usually celebrate as Pentecost. But we learn quickly in the book of Acts that Pentecost is a repeatable experience. So we see the Jewish Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And here in Acts chapter 10, we see the Gentile Pentecost. We see how the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentiles there in the home of Cornelius in the city of Caesarea, just as the Holy Spirit had fallen upon those Jewish Christ followers in Jerusalem. Yesterday, we as a nation celebrated Independence Day. I hope that you had a great 4th of July. I hope that you took time to pray for our nation. I'm very concerned about the state of our nation today. It seems as if we Americans are an exhausted people. We're dealing with several very important issues that can be exhausting. One of the most important issues we're dealing with right now is that issue of racism. America was founded upon some great, great principles. But our nation was also founded upon the principle of human slavery. And I believe that because our nation was founded upon that principle of human slavery, that a demonic spirit was introduced to our land, that spirit of oppressor and slave. And I think we're still dealing with that demonic spirit in our land. And particularly those of us in the Christian community, we need to be very clear to say 
Just as Simon Peter says in this text, God shows no partiality to any people. We're not after becoming colorblind in this culture. Occasionally I hear people say they think they're colorblind, they want to be colorblind, but that's not what we want to become if we really want to combat racism. We don't want to become colorblind. Instead, we want to be able to look at the beautiful diversity of human beings that God has created and celebrate the beautiful diversity of all that God has created. What we're after is equality of dignity. We're after an understanding and an appropriation that every human being is created in the image of God. Every human being is a person for whom Christ died. You and I will never look into the eyes of another human being that is not deeply and desperately loved by God. We need to deal with this issue of racism in our land. And I'm concerned that we as a people are becoming more and more of an angry people. It seems that we in this stage of our history can turn everything into a fight. We are even now fighting about the use of masks to help alleviate the coronavirus. We argue about whether or not we should or should not wear a mask and it seems that we can take any issue in this culture and turn it into a fight. It seems like we are so prone in this culture to bully one another, to make sure that we can get our way. And, and we, particularly in the Christian community, know that this must stop. As Christians, we have heard St. Paul call us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to be ministers of reconciliation, to become people who help to bring people together and together offer those people to God. Bring people together and help people be reconciled to God. As ministers of reconciliation, we need to always be offering the society around us a third alternative to the two warring factions that always seems to be created. We as the Christian community stand in the middle oftentimes of different parts of our society fighting with each other. And we need to be very careful of ever joining in a cultural war. We need to be the third alternative, calling people to come together, calling people to be reconciled to God. So I'm very concerned about our nation. I'm concerned that we're exhausted and that we're very angry. So, what is the greatest need of our nation today? I think the greatest need of our nation today is for the church of Jesus Christ to truly be the church of Jesus Christ. We need to live as Christ followers in the world. We should not seek to make the gospel conform to the world, we should seek to make the world conform to the gospel. And we need to be very, very clear about that. I think the greatest need of our nation today is for the Christian community within our nation to truly 
be the Christian community. And that means that you and I have to play our part well. Your greatest need and my greatest need, if we are to meet the greatest need of this day, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit to such an extent that Jesus Christ can live in us and Jesus Christ lives through us to heal the world around us, to transform the world around us. Our greatest need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then to experience those repeated feelings of the Holy Spirit. What happened in Acts 2 to those Jewish Christ followers, what happened in Acts 10 to those Gentile Christ followers can happen to you. As the old preachers used to say, God is no respecter of persons and God is no respecter of periods of history. What God did then, God wants to do now. Charles G. Finney was a great Christian, a great preacher of the 19th century. He experienced that infilling of the Holy Spirit in a very dramatic way. One day in 1821, he left the city. He went out, out of town to a hill and he was there in prayer. He was spending many hours in prayer because, had, because God had given him a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he knew that Jesus said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. And he was there praying that day on that hill to be filled with the righteousness of God. And that's when he experienced a mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is the way Charles Finney recorded it. He said, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without any memory of ever hearing the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost and Peter preached on that day, one of the things he said to that assembled crowd, he said, this promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for all that are far away, even people in High Point. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is God's desire, God's wish for all Christ followers. As a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit, but then you need to ask the question, does the Holy Spirit have you? It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit, it's something else to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fills a believer, it may or it may not be an emotional experience. I think the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit depends a great deal upon our temperaments as human beings. 
The Spirit is very creative. We can look at the world around us and realize the Spirit is very creative. And we all receive gifts in different ways. We receive the gift of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in different ways. But if we want to live a fruitful life for Jesus Christ, we must know this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham wrote a book entitled simply The Holy Spirit. And in his book, there's a chapter entitled, How to Be Filled with the Spirit. And this is what he says in that chapter. It is interesting that the Bible nowhere gives us a neat, concise formula for being filled with the Spirit. And he goes on to say that the reason for that is the New Testament community did not need to be told how to be filled with the Holy Spirit because they were watching it happen so often. And then he concluded by saying this, they knew that the Spirit-filled life was the normal Christian life. So the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's gift for God's people. It is a repeatable experience. We've heard Jesus say to us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I hope that you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that you want to be a vessel of God's righteousness here in this world. And I hope that you remember St. Paul saying to us in Ephesians chapter 5, the command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The greatest need in our nation today is for the church to be the church. So our greatest need, your greatest need, and my greatest need is that we be the people that God desires us to be in Jesus Christ. To be so filled with the Spirit of Christ that Christ can live through us with great power, great boldness, great purity, and great love. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And it's through that same power that we can share that love with others. What our nation needs today is for the church to be the church. And for the church to be the church, we need great revival. Friends, I invite you to be part of the mighty move of God in this age by praying consistently and continually that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen.